Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our Pacific Classic Day Pick 6 special for Del Mar. There is a mandatory payout in the Pick 6 this day. The pool projected probably to be about 80,000. Somebody did hit it fairly recently, so it's not one of those monster monsters, but it's still a mandatory payout, which is one of the occasions on which I will play the Del Mar Pick 6. And we got a lot of stakes races too, which makes it exciting. The timing works out really well, too, on this pick six. I'm pretty sure Saratoga just ends, and then we pick up starting at race six from Del Mar and take it all the way to the finish. And, of course, we got some star power on this card. Flightline making his eagerly anticipated return to the races. couple of Breeders' Cup win, and you're in races. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the little house on the east side. And we've reconvened a panel from earlier in the meeks. I had so much fun with this duo. We will start off with the man whose origin story in this game is inextricably linked to mine. Sometimes I think what would happen if I'd been seated three cubicles down on the legendary Simon & Schuster editorial row back in the mid-90s. Sorry, I'm dating us. But I am now bringing a man I've had the pleasure of writing books with. I have the pleasure of reading his fantastic work on the Del Mar website as well throughout the meet. He is Frank Scatoni. Frank, what's going on? I'm good, Pete. Thanks for having me back. You know, when you were introducing uh, the segment, you you said star power on the card. I thought you were going to say, "Hey, I got I got Frank Scatoni here." <laughs> 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 flight line. <laughs> You're both stars in my book. Frank. You're both stars. <laughs> As is the next man I'm about to introduce. Yep. I've had the pleasure of uh, working with before and knowing for several years. He's Tack was in Southern California for uh, quite a number of years. These days, you see him covering Southern California via the Twin Spires expert picks, and you read his analysis uh, far and wide, and you get to see him too. Scott Shapiro, how are you, buddy? I'm great, Pete. Great to uh, be back with you and Frank. Uh, It's been uh, a fun Del Mar meet, and we've got the uh, biggest day uh, of the meet upon us. Uh, Like you said, stars uh, throughout the card, of course, maybe the biggest star in racing uh, returning and uh, trying something new that mile and a quarter distance. It's going to be fun. We'll get there. want to remind folks also that there is a $3,000 Pacific Classic Day contest, which you can read all about on the the DMTC website. Frank, you've been known to participate in these uh, from time to time. You getting involved in this one? Yeah, yeah, I did okay in the in the last one. Ended up uh, getting an NHC and a little bit of prize money, so I'll I'll be back again. Um, I actually just looking on the website now. You know, they had to cap it at one hundred and fifty because you're also eligible to play it on TVG. Uh, so the event's actually sold out. So if you haven't signed up already, uh, too bad. You're gonna have to wait wait until the fall uh, uh, for Santa Anita's opening day. Uh, live bankroll contest, but it's always fun to play in these live bankroll contests. There's so many smart players, and I just like it because it really forces you to leverage your opinion. You know, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Uh, so I- I'm excited about it. It's such a great card. I uh, try and pick and choose my spots tomorrow and uh, see if I can catch something. I will say this at the risk of making somebody mad at me if you are a TVG player. If you're just somebody who's desperate to get involved, there might be a wait list. I've, there have been instances where people drop out at the last minute That's in the true. theoretically full yep. contest. So, yeah, That's if you're true. into, if you're, if you're really dying to play, reach out to your TVG rep or maybe just holler at uh, Chris Barr over at uh, DMTC.com and see if there's, uh, you know, you're probably out of luck. And Frank makes a good point about planning ahead for the series of contests at Santa Anita in the fall and also, of course, Del Mar in the fall. 
yep. a meet where I'm very much looking forward to getting back to, Frank. We'll, we'll talk about that. Just try, trying to see how many days I can get away with. I got the two trips out there last year in the fall. I'm not sure I can quite manage that, but we're going to do our best. But anyway, just a little bit of a thought for those of you looking to play. But the pick six is kind of like a tournament in and of itself, and it kicks off with race number six. The scheduled post time, according to what I'm seeing here, is 640 Eastern. And we kick things off with two-year-old maidens going six and a half on the dirt. Scott, I'm going to bring you back in to kick us off. How are we going to light this candle? Man, this is uh, one of the more fun races of the day. I know it's not one of the graded stakes, but I'd be surprised if we don't see some future stars exit this race. Some second-time starters, some first-time starters that uh, sold for a lot or have very strong pedigree. I landed on a price, I know, uh, and, I, and I should get that price because of what, uh, you know, the Barnes and some of the other horses running better uh, in their first start. And that's number two, Dr. Soulfire, a second-time starter for Michael McCarthy, who has started winning races a little bit more first out before he used to have really slow numbers. I think like a lot of other trainers, realizing the, uh, the, the big purses uh, throughout the country in these maiden races has made it a little more of his priority to have runners cranked at first asking, but still... You know, most of his runners thrive after getting a race or two under their belt. And I'm hoping that's the case with this son of West Coast that did sell for $300,000 and a half to in the midst of Biz, who earned well over 300000 And he did not have a favorable voyage, in my opinion, on debut back on August 6th with, in one of the more live maiden special weight events of the meet at five furlongs. Was caught in between horses in a uh, early battle. And the horses that uh, finished second and third, including Hawker, who's in here, came from well off the pace. This one, I thought, hung around pretty good for a horse that didn't take a lot of money and I think will get better at added ground or with added ground. So at 12 to 1, I made Dr. Soulfire my top pick. Also going to make number 10, Hawker, an A in there. Exits that same race, as I mentioned. Finished a, just a neck beaten by a Peter Miller runner that had racing experience under the, uh, his belt. This son of Justify should thrive with more racing experience. Looked a little green out there. Was climbing a bit. Uh, a must use for me. Um, and then some B's. I mean, there's National Treasure, a first-time starter for Bob Baffert, who legs up Johnny V. I mean, I can't believe it when I see it, but Johnny V and Baffert, 40% over their last 110 starts together. That, that's a pretty good number. Uh, you don't see that very often. Um, but for me, my main two are going to be Dr. Soulfire at a big price and then Hawker at a lower one. You make a good point about the McCarthy barn and the way things can shift. Some of that's having to do with getting new owners and new types of stock and just having more win early types, more of an expectation to win early. But then, you know, you still have to look at the historical patterns. And I think you raise a lot of reasons to believe that Dr. Soulfire is going to be better second out based on the form, based on the trip, and also the added ground seeming to be uh, right down this one's street. So a very encouraging case there for a horse that should be a price. Frank, how do you see this one? What numbers will be on your tickets to kick things off? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this sequence since Wednesday night when the PPs came out, and, and not so much from a handicapping perspective, but from more of a, a ticket construction perspective, because obviously flight line is going to be on everyone's ticket and most likely a single on most everyone's ticket. And I, I'm going to try and be a little contrarian. I have a couple of separator singles later in the card. So I was originally going to go five deep in this race. Uh, but now I'm going to have to go six deep because Scott made a very good case for number two, number two, Soulfire. Uh, my A's were going to be number three, National Treasure. I was a little surprised at the morning line as high as five to one. Uh, I was listening to Andy Harrington on Ray Pollock's uh, Twitter Spaces show on Wednesday. And 
Harrington seemed to think that this horse was training really well. And we know that John White usually incorporates uh, clocker information when he makes that morning line because he knows how powerful those workout reports are here out in California. So I was really shocked that that horse was five to one on the line. Um, we all know Baffert has them. You know, he likes to unveil some monsters on, on the biggest days of the year. I think this one could be a really good one. My main concern is that he's drawn toward the inside. I've been saying this all meet long. When it comes to sprint races, I'm always looking from the outside in. Uh, and in fact, the two second time starters uh, who look really good again today, and that's number eight, Practical Move, and number 10, Hawker. I thought they were flattered. I thought they both ran really well, but I thought they were flattered by their trips last time. They were both drawn outside in their debuts, and they both ran really well. Well, fortunately for them, they're drawn outside again, so they should get the same exact trip. And if those outside lanes continue to be more favorable uh, the way we've seen it all meet, uh, they'll have a big shot right back. I'm also going to look at the other Baffert, Massimo, Stalked his stablemate winner around the track last time. Couldn't find more as the four to five favorite. That's a little disappointing, but he gets a huge jock upgrade today. Uh, Hernandez takes over for Giroux. Giroux's riding style was just an absolute bust out here. Uh, he just he just does not fit in Southern California. The rest of the meet look for the Giroux off angle. I think it'll pay huge dividends. Could pay dividends today with Massimo. And then I was also going to use a first-time starter in number seven, Don Corleone. Uh, you know, make, make me an offer I can't refuse. You, know, you got a $1.2 million, $1.2 million purchase back in March. This horse must look like a statue of a racehorse and could probably run a little bit for Kaleem Shah and Simon Callahan, who do, you know, do really good work together with, uh, with young horses. So uh, this, this was a very, very tough race for me. Uh, so like I said, I was going to go five deep to start off the uh, the pick six, but I'm, I'm going to go six deep. I'm going to throw Scott's Dr. Soulfire in there because, like I said, I do have two separator singles later in the card that will allow me to be more open in some of these some of these other races. Makes perfect sense from a structure point of view. Are any of these going to be presses for you? Are you really thinking about using six equally, just turning this into a total no, survive and advance? No, that's a, that's a good point, Pete. I actually meant to say. So National Treasure, Massimo, and Hawker will be my A's. And then I will use the other three as B's. So that would be Practical Move, Don Corleone, and uh, Scott's Dr. Soulfire. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, production meeting in the middle of the show style. Do you have, I have a funny setup today, as folks who listen to the other show know. So it's hard for me to look back and forth. Do you have the numbers on your A's? Yeah, I'm going to make my A's the 2, 3, and 10. And then, you know, B's, I am going to use Frank's, uh, a couple of the others that Frank mentioned, number five, Massimo, and number seven, Don Corleone is B's. I am going to try to beat number eight, practical move. If he's the five, the two morning line favorite, I thought he was flattered by a couple of things last time out. I'll try to beat him. Great. And, and Frank, if you just want to help me out numerically, sure. and then we'll move on. My, my numbers, uh, my A's are three, five, and 10. And my B's are two, seven, and eight. Two, seven, eight on the B line. Good stuff. Let's pivot to the next race in this sequence. Leg B, Delmar's seventh race. The grade two Delmar mile for three-year-olds and up going a mile on the turf. And Frank, we'll keep it with you for your thoughts on this one. Well, just a general comment. I, I think it's absolutely hysterical that the one, two finishers of last year's Pacific Classic both end up 
on the undercard this year in turf races. Yeah. So that, that just tells you a little bit about Flightline, I guess, because you have Tripoli, who's also trained by Sadler and owned by Ronis, uh, show up in this spot. And then later on in the in the nightcap and the Delmar handicap, you have Tiz Magician uh, showing up on the turf. So I just I just thought that was a little curious um, and, and maybe a little bit of a, a testament how to how good maybe Richard Mandela thinks uh, Flightline is. Uh, or even his own royal ship in that race. So who knows? But uh, I had a, I had a little bit of a hard time with this race, and I ended up on the two D'Amato horses uh, simply because I thought I thought the one Air Force Red and the six Goliad would set an honest pace. Uh, Goliad ran his eyeballs out last time, set ridiculous fractions and wired the field. And Air Force Red, in my opinion, I, I think has no choice but to go from the rail. So I see those two out front. I think Hong Kong Carry, number five, one of the D'Amato's, uh, who's my top pick in the race. I think he'll get the perfect tracking trip behind the speed horses. This horse has done nothing wrong, has never run a bad race in the States. Uh, he had trouble last time in the Eddie Reed when Masterpiece broke from the outside, angled over and kind of wiped out half the field. And yet this horse still still ran on and finished up very strongly. And same thing for number seven, Captain Peak, uh, the other D'Amato. Uh, he'll be coming from farther out of it, but I think if Air Force Red and Goliad do set uh, a quick enough pace, this horse could be very tough, closing strongly. Uh, I know the horse has been running longer distances, but if you look at his record at a mile, he's... Uh, He's got two wins out of three starts, and the other one is a second-place finish. So if he gets the right pace, I expect him to be flying late. Uh, I just wasn't really super crazy about anyone else. You know, maybe Scott has something uh, something to add uh, that'll, that'll make me want to use someone else on my ticket because, like I said, I have a couple of singles later on. Um, and I wouldn't mind spreading in here, but I just couldn't get excited about anyone else. So for me, it was, uh, it w- it was the two D'Amato's, the five and the seven. All right, good stuff. Scott, how about you? Is it as easy as the D'Amato runners, or do you have some others to put forth? Yeah, I apologize, Frank. I don't have anything too creative in here. I, I see it very similar, although I, I'm opposite in terms of who I like more. I do like number seven, Kathkin Peak, a little more than Hong Kong Harry. Part of that is I think we'll get a better price since Hong Kong Harry had the three wins and then beat Kathkin Peak last time out. But I thought while Hong Kong Harry did have some trouble in the early going, he had a much more much cleaner trip than Kathkin Peak, who really had very little to go right early in the race, really had to wait on runners on the far turn, and I thought had a really legitimate excuses uh, to not run better. And I agree the mile uh, cutback is a little bit of a question, but I'm going to say, based on what you said, the distance uh, statistics, as well as just kind of thinking about an extra, you know, his punch might be a little stronger cutting back a furlong. I'm going to lean on number seven, Kathkin Peak, as my top pick with Hong Kong Harry for second. I, if I'm going to, you know, if I was to look outside of those two, you know, one, number one, Air Force Red is a little bit interesting. Second off the bench for Leonard Powell stretching out. You know, it all comes down to whether uh, Juan Hernandez and Goliad are as aggressive as they were last time. Obviously, if they're hell-bent on the lead like they were uh, in that July 30th event, which there's really no reason to believe they won't be with how good he ran, uh, I think it really will set things up for the two D'Amato runners. But just from a, you know, handicapping non-pace perspective, I do think Air Force Red is set up to run a pretty good race. All right, good stuff uh, from the team there. Let's go to race number eight. We go to the allowance ranks, seven furlongs on the dirt. Scott, who's your idea of the winner? 
This race, to me, was one of the uh, trickier races uh, on the card. In the end, I landed on a wild card because I had such little conviction. But when I looked at the race, there just wasn't a lot of speed. So immediately I went look, went to look to the horse that I think's loose on the lead, and number two, Sunrise Journey. But I have concerns not only about regression for this son of good journey who ran a, uh, a career best effort by quite a bit on any metric you look at on August 12th and comes back somewhat quickly. Then you also have the seven furlong distance, which is a question mark uh, for the seven-year-old gelding. So Sunrise Journey would be maybe a defensive use for me, but I landed on number eight, Toto Fino. And I mean, I don't know that much about this horse. It kind of suggests the way I feel about the race. One thing I know is Amador Sanchez has only started a few horses here in Southern California at the Del Mar meet, and he's had some success. And same with the jockey, Hector Berrios, who was really impressed out there, mainly on the turf, but I think he can ride the dirt as well. This horse was nine for 14 in Chile. So a lukewarm top pick there. Red line makes a lot of sense coming off a second place effort on six panels over this surface, albeit as Frank talked about, you know, with an outside type trip. Um, but gets a major rider upgrade. I mean, I'm going to trump Frank's rider upgrade from Juan Hernandez <laughs> to Florent Giroux with Johnny V for Emily Ellingwood, who I don't mean too much disrespect for. She continues to win races almost every day, it seems. But uh, but I think Johnny V's got a few more wins under his belt and uh, should get a pretty good pace to run at. But this is one of those races where I couldn't uh, really separate much of the top contenders. I'm going to go pretty deep and uh, – Hope to catch maybe one of the better prices. I wrote eight and five as A's and th- the two on the B line for you. Any others you want to just, even if you're just putting forth the number, talk about? Yeah, I would say the 10 would be a definite B for me. First off, the claim for Miller moving up in class, protecting, you know, a little bit to ask uh, this one for maybe, you know, to, to win and has three seconds in the last four starts. But like, you know, we've gone back to Frank's point. The outside's been the place to be. I think it's been a little more fair lately, but should yeah. get a favorable voyage. Uh, I could see Mr. Impossible as a wild card along the inside coming off the long layoff. Uh, th- that would probably be it. So we'll go five and eight as the A's and one, two, and 10 as the B's. Good stuff. Let's bring Frank Scatoni back in to get his perspective. Is this another survive and advance spot or is this one of your separators? This is one of my separators. Yeah. I, absolutely, I absolutely agree with Scott. This is a, this is a very tough race. And I think a lot of, a lot of people are going to spread in here because of that. But uh, I, I thought that this would be a good a good spot to plant my flag, uh, and if I'm right, then I can have some really really good coverage going into the last couple of races with 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 my other separator horse uh, to close things out. But I, I really like number nine Exalted. I've I've always liked this horse. He's always hinted at ability. He was good enough to break his maiden actually at this N1X allowance level. Uh, he was a maiden when he he won a he won an allowance race at, as a maiden. They then went on to place him in a couple of graded stakes races. He was not disgraced, uh, ran really well, picked up some some good purse money in graded stakes races. Something went wrong. He had to hit the shelf back in 2021, but now he's making his third start of the form cycle for a trainer who I believe uh, is very good at bringing a horse along. I expect this horse to run really big today, especially getting an extra half furlong after that six and a half furlong race. You go from Maldonado to Pratt. My biggest concern, and this is something Scott mentioned, there really isn't a ton of speed in here. So, um, you know, this horse likes to to sit off the pace and, and make one big run. But 
I'm going to trust Pratt to read the racing form and understand that. And in my opinion, uh, no one understands no one understands pace better than than Pratt. He always seems to have his horse in a good spot, whether that horse is a forwardly placed runner or a closer. It doesn't matter. He just he understands his sense of timing is is impeccable. So um, I have a feeling he'll be a little aggressive with this horse early, maybe sit third or fourth tracking. Uh, on what I'm hoping will continue to be the good side, good side, uh, good part of the racetrack, and I expect this this horse to run a peak effort, and I, I like him as a single A. I was I wasn't going to use anybody else, but if if others are inclined to use uh, horses, I agree. Number eight uh, with Scott, number eight Toto Fina was a total wild card. Uh, everything Sanchez has been sending out has been live. This horse is has been here in training. He could have picked a bunch of different spots for this horse. He chose to pick this spot on Pacific Classic Day, legging up Berrios, who has won races for him, uh, not only here in, in, in Southern California with their string, but also back east at Gulfstream. So those two really team up. Uh, that horse could be a, a wild card. And then number five, Redline, I think, for John Sadler, should get a good forwardly placed trip. Uh, that would be the other horse I would consider. But, you know, no guts, no glory. I'm tempted <laughs> to just use this. A, my lone horse in the race, number nine, exalted. And if I get through it, I'll be sitting real pretty the rest of the way. Well, Question for you. I, I, before we get back to you, Scott, because I, yeah. did, I did, did want to ask you if you're convinced and we'll be putting some <laughs> nines in. But I wanted to ask you, Frank, if you thought maybe this fast looking, especially by the trainer's standards, five furlong workout on August 26th signals that, exalted might be over some of these walk out of the gate things i was wondering if maybe he's not that slow not necessarily a one-run closer he just hasn't been breaking and if they might be capable of being put into the race earlier if he can just get away from there which maybe that workout suggests he's uh turning the corner does that factor into your liking of exalted at all yeah it does i mean i wouldn't say i'm a huge look at the work tab guy and trying to figure out you know exactly what the trainer's thinking because that's just not uh one of the major tools in my, in my, in my arsenal, but yeah, I do look at it and that looks like a pretty sharp work. I'll reserve judgment until um, I read some of the workout reports that'll come out, uh, you know, later today. But yeah, I mean, Peter knows what he's doing. You know, he's a, he's a good trainer. I have a feeling that he's just been, you know, you run him in the triple bend off a, off a long layoff. The horse doesn't disgrace himself, runs, runs fourth, then comes back in an allowance race, maybe regresses a little bit maybe just to tune up for this, this sensible spot on, on Pacific classic day. So yeah, I expect this horse to run big. Hopefully it'll be, it'll be good enough to get the win. Scott, are you convinced we will, will you have some nines in there? I have to use, I don't have a strong enough opinion, you know, a, a, a top notch California handicapper and man like Frank Scatoni is all in on a horse where I don't have a strong opinion. I'm certainly going to, uh, to listen. You know, the biggest concern was what you mentioned, Pete just seems to break slow every time. But if you do look back to your point, you know, at the earlier races in his career, a couple of uh, his better efforts are uh, back, you know, a long time ago, he did used to show some speed when he got out of the gate in good order. So I think all of those things make sense. And I will uh, include exalted on my ticket for sure. Race number nine is the Del Mar Derby grade two for these three-year-old Colts going a mile and an eighth on the turf. Frank, who takes it down? Uh, this was one of the two races that uh, I'm doing for the Del Mar website. So I, you know, I got to write up and uh, people can go to the Del Mar website and, and see my horse by horse analysis for this race. I thought it was pretty competitive uh, with several of these in with a shot, 
But my top pick is actually going to be number seven, McKinnon. He was even money in a very tough Oceanside. He finished fourth, but he was buried down at the rail in a big full field. Uh, I think now that he moves outside, gives Hernandez some options on where to place a horse who uh, can be tactical. I think he's going to run a really, really big effort today. Uh, I also think that this race was the target all summer. And, you know, I know it's going to sound crazy, but, you know, sometimes you got to you just got to factor this this crazy stuff in. You know, he's co-owned by Colorado Avalanche hockey player Eric Johnson. Yep. And it just so happens that today, uh, tomorrow, Pacific Classic Day, is the day that Eric Johnson gets to spend with the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Where do you think he's going to be on Saturday? It has been announced that Eric Johnson and the Stanley Cup will be present at Del Mar. Pacific Classic Day. So here, cue Trevor. Now entering the winner's circle, the Stanley Cup. So I believe that this has been the target all along for this horse. This is just a good, classy horse. Um, I'm not worried about the distance. He ran He ran second in the El Camino Real Derby at a mile and, a mile and an eighth at uh, on the synthetic up at Golden Gate. So I'm looking for him to turn the tables on number nine, Balnikoff. Uh, who did beat him in the ocean side, but that he's my top pick, but I will use uh, uh, Balnikoff number nine and also number seven McKinnon as my two a horses. And my B's would be number one Cabo spirit and number five Dandy Warhol, but this is a tough race. These are good. These are good three-year-olds. I like this race. And definitely I encourage folks to go and read that full analysis. What's the easiest way for, for people to, to find that Frank? Uh, you can follow my Twitter at Scatoni Shot. I will tweet a link out to it every day. So you just click on the link and a PDF file should pop up. Or if you're on the Del Mar website under their handicapping section, you'll see my handicapping page and you can just click on the date and uh, my analysis will pop up. Frank looking for McKinnon to put the biscuit in the basket in the Del Mar <laughs> Derby. How do you see it, Scott? I'm on the same horse, Pete. I think McKinnon, I think Frank made a lot of solid points there. Speaking to the effort in the El Camino Real Derby back in February, he was easily best that day when he lost at three to five, had some trouble at the start that day. And then in the ocean side, I agree with Frank, you know, on paper, not a ton of early trouble or anything, but it just wasn't an ideal voyage along the inside. I thought the race uh, had a little more pace in it than this one will, which allowed a horse like Bounikoff. Uh, at the one mile, which I think, you know, flattered his late run. And he was really good that day. I don't want to take anything away, but did get a really good ride from Umberto Rispoli. He's given a lot of good rides this summer on the turf after struggling last summer at Del Mar. I think the mile and an eighth will work out perfectly. I think Juan Hernandez should be able to find a, a little a more favorable spot than last time. Just a couple of lengths at the most off the early leaders, unless someone's overly aggressive. So I'm going to make McKinnon a lone A. I'm going to use Bounikoff. As a B, I was underwhelmed by the La Jolla as a whole. Cabo Spirit was good good enough that day to get the job done, but I didn't think it was an overly uh, impressive effort, although horses out of the La Jolla have been much more successful than horses out of the Oceanside in the Del Mar Derby historically. But for me, it's hard to toss George Papa Padroma horses, especially ones that have had success over this course. But for me, I think Cabo Spirit a little bit cut below. And then the other Bs, I'll use both glat runners. I am going to use Dandy Warhol. I thought that was a very encouraging late run in that first level allowance event on August 13th. Did get a real nice setup that day, a runoff leader, set things up for those to make it a mad sprint to the wire. And I'm going to throw a crazy one in there. Number four, Spy Catcher, 30 to one, a maiden taking on 
uh, winners. Mark Glad keeps spotting this three-year-old Colt ambitiously. Uh, after a fourth-place effort on six furlongs on debut, he spotted him against um, first-level allowance optional claiming foes on July 23rd, and he ran a pretty good race at nearly 14-1 to 1 after breaking slow. Was unable to break his maiden last time out. I don't think he's got a very good chance by any stretch to win this race, and he's more kind of like an underneath reverse-type exotic use. But at that price, if I'm using some Bs other than my top pick, I'm going to throw him in there because obviously that would blow up the sequence. Oh, no doubt about it. Talk about uh, one to get the, that would cause some separation. If you have yeah. any reason to like one in a sequence like that, this, at that price, I, I have no problem putting in, you know, a single line with that one on top in case you're right everywhere else, if nothing else. Let's talk about the big one, gentlemen. The Pacific Classic, grade one, mile and a quarter, field of six going postward. Many would have you believe this is a one-horse race, as Frank sometimes likes to say, with that one horse being flight line. Scott, who do you like in the Pacific Classic? It's tough because everything I believe in is not taking one to five or anything close to it on a horse trying something new for the first time, which, of course, is not only going two turns, but going a mile and a quarter after four one-turn races. But on the other hand, you know, it's just hard to get by Flightline, who not only should be loose on the lead, but is putting up numbers that are, you know, beyond freakish. And everything in the mornings and everything you hear reports to this horse maturing, uh, you know, quite a bit over the last several months and making, you know, all around him believe that getting the distance is not going to be an issue at all. So it's Flightline for me on top. Would never, you know, recommend or push betting on this horse at one to five because of the reasons I mentioned. But at the same point, I just don't have a lot of excitement trying to beat them. But I am going to use country grammar as a B because if there's one thing for sure, or two things for sure, one, this horse will have no problem getting the mile and a quarter. You know, he did so uh, quite easily in Dubai, in the Dubai World Cup. He did so in the Gold Cup at Santa, uh, at Santa Anita. And that was a perfect prep, I thought, for him on July 30th, albeit I thought that was the most biased outside day of the meet with a lot of outside biased days that he and even Royal Ship more to, to more of an extent took advantage of. But I just thought it, it set him up nicely for this spot. So not creative at all in here. White <laughs> line as an A, my main ticket will lean on him and then I'll back him up with country grammar on a small backup. Frank, how do you see this one? Is flight line nailed on? I've got two words for you. Cigar, arrogate. <laughs> massive, massive odds on favorites down in flames in the Pacific Classic. Yep. Now, I mean, come on. Flight, flight Line is an unbelievable racehorse. Uh, just not only from a number perspective, but from a, a visually impressive I mean, he's just, he's a, a beautiful animal and he has such a long stride. And the way he's built, surely suggests he can get a mile and a quarter but you never know until they try right and to scott's point this horse this horse has never been beyond a one-turn mile um it's it's very vexing to me uh that they wouldn't have at least tried to get a, a little bit of a prep into this horse just to give him that two-turn experience so uh yeah he's the horse to beat yeah he's the most talented horse in the race and he could win by 10 and we could be witnessing a coronation of, you know, one of the best horses we've seen in the last 10 years or so. But how do you get any value out of a horse like this? You just don't. So I'm going to look at a couple of other horses 
because like I said, in my sequence, I've got two separator singles. So I'm gonna use a couple of others in here. And uh, one of them is the one that Scott mentioned, Country Grammar. I mean, the, the horse has won $10 million. So, you know, one of them was the Dubai World Cup, but still, this is a good horse. This horse won the, the Hollywood Gold Cup, uh, the Dubai World Cup. This horse is a mile, a, a true mile and a quarter horse. We know that this horse, this horse could get get the ten panels, no problem. San Diego was obviously a prep last time, coming off a March layoff from Dubai. He did have a favorable post, and and to Scott's point, yeah, the eight and the nine horses ran ran first and second in this race because they were on the best part of the track. But it didn't matter to me because I I really thought the country grammar was just was just out for out for a run in that race. Baffert will have this horse fully cranked. Is he good enough to be, you know, flight line? If flight line takes ten, takes the 10 furlongs, I don't know. But this is a very, very nice racehorse. And I might even make a win bet on this horse if if, if flight line goes off shorter than one to five, and, and, and he might. Uh, and the other horse I'm actually going to use is Express Train. I've never really thought Express Train was a true mile and a quarter horse, but he has won at this distance before. Um, I think he'll be forwardly placed. He'll get a good, good trip. Not as fast as, as the other two, I don't believe. Not as good as the other two, I don't believe. But, you know, John Sheriffs is an excellent trainer, and he's been pointing to this race. The horse really loves Del Mar. I mean, four or five in the money with three wins. Uh, and like I said, I don't think a mile and a quarter is his best distance, but he's got a win at a mile and a quarter and a second and a third. So why not express train to pull off an upset if, if flight line can't? can't actually get the distance. So I'm going to use those three as my A's, two, four, five. I know it's a little crazy to have um, three A's in a race with a one to five shot, but because I have those separators in those other races, I feel like I can do it here. It's unusual, but you can get away with it. If I hold your feet to the fire for a top pick, if you were making newspaper selections, as I know you've done at some time yeah, in I your go past. Country drama. <laughs> okay, you do yeah, it. You go country and where yeah, would like you I put said, I might even, I might, if, if country ground is four to one, I will bet that horse to win. I mean, I think that's great value on, on a grade one I think animal. There's a distinct, uh, a distinct chance you're going to, you're going to see that. So yeah. we'll follow with great, with great interest. I'm going to call it two, four, and five if, for the notes. Do you like that? Two, Do we know any reason why Express Train didn't prep for this race? Is it because he ran poorly after the win in the San Diego last year, Frank? Or, I mean, because I wanted to give him a look too, but it's a big ask off a layoff amongst other things. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, actually, and I'll, I'll see if I can find out. But, you know, I, I think, I think I mean, Sheriff's put those two six furlong works into the horse. I think right. I think the horse will be ready, but that that's a great question. Yeah, I don't know. If you hear anything, throw it up on Twitter. We'll, we'll, we'd love to, to discuss so, further. Can I, just, can I just ask you, Pete, what, what's your opinion of Flightline? If, if you don't I mind me putting the host I, on the spot. <laughs> I think he's going to run off the screen. You know, it's yeah. so uncreative. But – See, I feel like some of his works I saw earlier, they, they were good, but like there was something in his action that made me understand why he runs by appointment only. Ooh. And I feel like he's turned a corner. I just feel like work-wise, what I've seen recently, to, to use an overused term, he's like a machine. And yeah. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't do flight line like things. I'm not, I'm not proud of this opinion, 
But I, in my pick sixes, I will probably just go stone cold and, and win or lose with him. But I mean, I admire, I think you're doing the, the theoretically correct thing, honestly, but just, you know, at the end of the day, we have to go with our own reckoning of the races. And, and I feel like if I have any, if I have any idea that's like, yes, it's basically baked into the price, but the fact that I have that personal opinion of liking him so much more now, that's sure. enough to make me throw my, you know, uh, yeah. dart in that I was just curious what you thought, you know, what you thought of him as a racehorse, because I mean, are we witnessing something that, you know, yeah, I think once, once a generation type talent, I'll tell you what I thought when you said one of the best, he does his, his thing. He'd be one of the best we've seen in the last 10 years. I don't think you're going far back enough. If yeah. he does, you know, the equivalent of what he's done, this, the Met mile was like a superb race yeah. given the, the trouble and, and what I thought, I just thought it was a, much, much less than ideal trip. And the fact that he was still able to do it, I guess my concern about him coming into the Met Mile was, is this a flat track bully? Is this a horse who is just so good and talented that he just, he, he's so much better than his rivals, he doesn't need to show any fight. He doesn't need to show any grit. Well, the Met Mile proved that a completely bogus theory because he showed a lot of grit and won what in my mind amounted to a scramble. So when you've got a horse who has this kind of brilliance, who can also win a street fight, who's working the best he's ever worked. Look, I'm not trying to talk anybody into this opinion. I'm only volunteering it because asked. <laughs> but I think he's going to sue. Yeah, no, no. Look, we're talking about a, a potentially great racehorse. So I always want to know what, you know, other smart players' opinions are about something, you know, seeing a horse like this. Yeah, I'm excited to see him run, honestly. And I may have one backup line to Country Grammar for all the reasons you guys said. And you've made me intrigued about Express Train, but I don't, with my opinions elsewhere, I'm too spready. Unlike you, I can't use, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I could do something where it was like 90% through flight line, 5%, 5%. Maybe if all my other stuff is right, I could get away with that. But my gut from here is to just go, uh, is to just solo him and just hope for the best. And, and I, be I don't want to, bela- I don't want to belabor the point either, but th- does, you know, speaker's corner who ran third in the, in the, the Met mile came out here and ran an absolute clunker. So I don't yes, know. He, he was not good. <laughs> he was not good, but you know, it was, it's a cross country ship and it's, you know, and flight line, it's not like he was neck and neck with flight line. You know what I mean? Flight right, line handled him rather true. easily that's with a worse true. trip. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that, but it is, you know, it's a reasonable concern. And again, I think if you've got an opinion that allows you to go elsewhere, your opinion is going to be magnified in the pick six, because this is the kind of horse that I think is going to be, I mean, on what? 90% of pick six tickets, right? So uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's got to be one to one to a hundred almost in the pick six, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, nobody will leave them off and maybe people will do what Frank does a rare person or two, you know? So. Yeah. So I, I th- you know, I can't, I can't argue it's going to be any great value, but it's a mandatory payout with four stakes and a sequence of excited to bet. I'm not going to tell you this is, a, you know, some brilliant EV pick six play I'm putting in, but it's going to give me some great action on Saturday night sure. when we're cheering these things home and hope. Hopefully we can have some success, but we're not going to have success unless we hit the last race, gentlemen. And that last race is race number 11 scheduled to go at 920. Oh, I should give the post time. I mean, granted, if you're listening to the show, you're probably playing the whole pick six and, and watching along. But just to make sure you don't miss the Pacific Classic, like set a note in your calendar, set an alarm now. 
I'm seeing 8.50 Eastern as the scheduled post time for that. Sometimes Timeform has that a little off, so maybe verify that somewhere else. But I'm definitely going to have the backup to the backup alarm at uh, 8.45 to make sure I can see these horses go down to post and, and we'll see what Flightline does. But the nightcap, half an hour after that, is another win in your in-race for, uh, for the Breeders' Cup. This one is the Grade 2 Delmar Handicap presented by our friends at the Japan Racing Association, which will send a horse to the Breeders' Cup turf. And Frank, I'll go back to you to ask you the key question. How are we going to get paid? Well, I'll tell you right now, if I'm alive in the pick six and Flightline loses and I have, you know, country grammar or uh, express train on my ticket, I'm probably going to be regretting the fact that this was my other separator single. <laughs> I would want all in this leg. Um, but um, yeah, I, I this is an, another race I did for the Del Mar website, so you can, you can check it out. Uh, I'll have it posted by the time this podcast airs. Um, again, I, I thought this on paper looked like it was kind of a spready race, and I think a lot of people will end up spreading in here. So I wanted to be a little contrarian and uh, just go to war with number two, Gold Phoenix. He's one of four Phil D'Amato runners in here. So it's always tricky trying to figure out which one is the live one, but I think this is the live one today, even though he's still eligible for a, a, a second level allowance. He's been compromised by slow paces in his last few defeats, and he's still run really well and galloped out past the winner after the wire uh, the last two starts. I just know he's going to love 11 furlongs. This horse is a true stayer. I'm really excited to see him get some extra distance today. Pratt, who probably could have had his choice of mounts in this race, gets gets the ride here. To me, that's a huge endorsement in, in a big, full competitive field. Uh, he's my single. I also know that, you know, I have a, a friend who's a part owner of the horse. And a couple of months ago, they told me that the Delmore Handicap was the goal for this horse all along. So here we are. The, the horse has stayed healthy. The horse has been prepping in allowance races. And now he's going to step up and see what he can do against some quality turf horses. But uh, at six to one, he, he's going to be my single. Uh, if you're not confident in singling the last race and you wanted to use someone else, uh, you could look to number nine, Masterpiece. I know he wiped out half the field in the Eddie Reed, and that really helped his chances in that race. But he also did show a very explosive turn of foot in a race that I actually thought was going to be a prep race for this. So anytime a horse wins their prep race and then, you know, has the target in the next start, you really, really have to pay attention. So if that horse moves forward off his win in the Eddie Reed, I, I think he could be very, very tough. Uh, so I will have that horse as a B, but my A, my lone A in, in this race is going to be number two, Gold Phoenix, and see if I can uh, be a little sneaky and take down some take down some big money. Your friend who was talking to you about Gold Phoenix, he wasn't named Billy by chance. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't named Billy. I don't know what Billy thinks of this horse. Uh, uh, if I run into him today, I'll ask him. But no, this is a buddy of mine who bought into a bunch of um, uh, a bunch of little red feather horses. Uh, actually, has a really nice two-year-old filly who won earlier in the meet and will be running in one of, in the juvenile filly turf stakes uh, closing weekend. Um, I forget her horse, so I apologize. Her name, I apologize, but it was a, a D'Amato Rispoli horse who ran uh, really well earlier in the meet. But this is another one, and they've always been high on Gold Gold Phoenix. I, like I said, I think the horse has been compromised and, and should run much better today. We'll get Billy's take on Gold Phoenix and all the rest. I'm actually guesting on Beach Boss with Billy and Michelle tomorrow. Oh, I think we nice. stream. 
I think we stream at about 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, you follow me on Twitter at Looms Boldly, and you'll you'll see that. We'll definitely we'll definitely be uh, clowning around and, and chatting about that. Scott, what do you think of the nightcap? I got two words for you. Let's go, Frank. I got <laughs> hey! the same words. <laughs> All right. I'm nice. sitting there thinking, ah, you know, Frank, he's gonna single in this race. I hope it's uh, hope he talks. Hope it's Gold Phoenix. But uh, I agree. I mean, I know it's ambitious, like you said, a second horse eligible for a second level allowance event. And you mentioned the trips and the unideal, uh, you know, race shapes and the gallop outs. And I thought last time out in that second level allowance event won by a stable mate, Greg Dar, who's also in here. Just an unaggressive ride by Kyle Frey. Kind of this horse can be much closer to the pace than he was that day. And he really galloped out nicely in that race. And I agree with your sentiments about, uh, you know, the added distance being favorable. You know, you don't always think that especially with American racehorses, although this is a European bred, but uh, I feel that way about Gold Phoenix. I also feel very happy to have arguably the best turf, two-turn turf jock in, in the country aboard. You know, there's others, obviously, that can make that claim, but Flavian Pratt jumping back aboard. He was aboard this horse twice uh, earlier on this year at Santa Anita, both six-and-a-half furlong races, but seems like this is the perfect spot. You got to love the inside draw. I have Gold Phoenix on top, not as confident as Frank, I am going to use Masterpiece, who we mentioned, who uh, I agree with all of his sentiments. Did get a favorable setup that day as well in the Eddie Reed. Not only did he take out a number of the field, but he got a very honest pace to run at. The mile and three eighths, we'll see if uh, he's quite has the, quite the same punch. He, he did have pretty good punch last year in this race when he was run down by Astronaut, who I'm still trying to figure out beat me when I had Masterpiece. <laughs> So did I. Yeah, so did I. Oh my God. <laughs> and Phil D'Amato has won this race six of the last eight years. Charlie Whittingham has the record seven wins in the race. So he looks to tie one of the all time greats. I'm going to throw one long shot in there as well as a, as my lone B. And that's number one, Dicey Mochar. I think you can absolutely toss the grade three Cougar. The second on the uh, main track was a prep for trainer Leonard Powell. This horse has run well in four starts over the Del Mar side, two wins in a second. And I think the inside draw will work uh, well for this one should find a nice spot, not too far off the early pace, but uh, like Frank, I'll be rooting for gold Phoenix to close this out. How do you grade the two nine and one into A's and B's Scott? I'm going to make the two and the nine, my A's and I'm going to make the one a B and uh, we will hope that Tis a Magician takes a lot of money in here for the uh, people at my racehorse. I would suspect that the son of Tis now would. I'm, I'm going to be willing to let that one beat me in all wagers. So normally I wouldn't continue. We'd wrap the show. But since I am going to be on Beach Boss talking about this race, I want your opinion on the horse that I came up with in here, who's Master of Foxhounds, who I just felt like did a nice job winning the pace battle the last day in the Eddie Reed unsustainable fractions um dueling from a from a tricky position i thought and you know i was going to forgive going down four lengths in the end and just figured he might be able to set a much more measured pace in here and if they let him go could be very dangerous i mean warfront galileo damn the, the, you know the farther the better for master of foxhounds as far as i'm concerned talk me out of it frank no i won't talk to you about it of, of the other damatos this is the one that i liked second best um Part of my feeling, though, was that he might be the sacrificial lamb to keep Tiz and Magician, you know, a little honest. Someone's got to, and D'Amato's got four, so why not that one? Right. He seems to have the most speed of the 
the most tactical speed of, of, of all the D'Amato's. So that was kind of my feeling on that. Um, you know, and I've seen, it, 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 I think it was the Eddie Reed or something, D'Amato, I think had four horses and I'm trying to figure out, okay, which one is the sacrificial lamb? And one of his horses did go out and, and, and contest the pace to set it up for, you know, one of his, one of his closers. So um, I'm just feel like I'm going to see this movie again, but yeah, this is a nice horse. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this horse. This horse shows up every time the tactical speed allows him to make it, make his trip. Uh, my feeling was though, that they're going to have, they're going to have to be a little aggressive from that outside post and someone's going to have to make sure that Tiz a magician just doesn't lope along on the lead, even That's though Tiz a magician is coming out of those long, you know, the, those longer dirt races, uh, you know, this is a quick horse. Um, so I was hoping Mike Smith I... would grab him. I was hoping Mike Smith would grab and, and maybe give um, too much rope on, uh, on master of Foxhounds, yes. but you might be right that they just I... dead send. And then it's going to be a problem for master of Foxhounds. Scott, what do you think of uh, the, the six, the merits of the six and the 10 relatively and who's going to make the lead here? I pretty much agree with everything Frank said. Master of Foxhounds would be my fourth horse. I've always been thought this horse had talent. He is the one, Frank, that uh, battled early with uh, Beyond Brilliant in the Eddie Reed and uh, Hong Kong Harry and Kathkin Peak, who we talked about earlier on in the card, whereas other D'Amato's other runners in there that ended up running second and third to Masterpiece. I could see a scenario where they don't necessarily go at it on the front end, and if they don't, this horse is a major player. I've always thought he's had some talent, so I would not be uh, – very excited to talk you off them at all. All right. Good stuff, guys. Really appreciate this. What a fun chat. Once again, we'll have to convene this panel again before too long. So we'll thank uh, Scott Shapiro and Frank Scatoni one more time. Scott, you can get his Delmar analysis, the rest of the meat over at twinspires.com. And for Frank, you should really be following him on Twitter and reading his daily analysis over at Delmar. Remind folks of both your Twitter handles. Frank, you first. At Scatoni Shoreshot. And Scott? At Scott Schapp 34 Beautiful. Great stuff, guys. Really appreciate it. We thank you one more time. We thank our friends at Del Mar for sponsoring the show. Uh, most of all, though, we thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. For much more information, go over to InTheMoneyPodcast.com. We'll have Dean Kepler's full card analysis of Pacific Classic Day over there as well. And, yeah, do us a favor. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Free ways you can help us out if you like our act around here. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your Pacific Classic Day photos.